Well, that vintage video says a lot, doesn't it? Especially when we didn't realize that Tom Hanks looked like that. But seriously, I want to address the subject. The neighbors are watching, and the music that the guys sang today about the love of Christ is such a powerful, powerful message. I did not know that they were going to sing that song. But it's such, it encapsulates what this passage of Scripture is all about. We're going to be in Romans 15, verses 1 to 13. All of us have known people that were like that in the video. Uh, they, they take the neighborhood watch idea to a whole new level. Um, I didn't know that those kind of people existed until uh, when I moved out to rural Montana, I found out what a party line was. You know, and I'm, I'm talking on the phone, and all of a sudden I hear this, hmm, mm-hmm, mm. Couldn't figure that out, and all of a sudden I heard a click, and, and the next week this one lady knew everything about everything. And I thought, this is, this is insane. And I, and I asked to get a private line there at my house. It took a year, but I did get a private line. But all the time I would call, I would make sure I didn't hear any, hmm. <laughs> she was quite a lady. But, you know, because the neighbors are watching, what type of mind are we to have? What type of mindset as believers are, do we, have, we are to have? And that's what Romans 15 is all about. So you, we see a society that is so embroiled in the idea that it's all about me. But you know, the believer, it's all about others. It's all about Christ, how we present him to others. And so when you come to verse uh, 1 of chapter 14, it's talking about how we are to live our life in front of our fellow believers, that one who's weaker in his faith. And verses 13 to 15 says, don't cause him to stumble. You know, it goes along in the passage, don't, don't ruin or hurt your testimony for Christ. Don't damage God's work. Be that example for him. And then you come to chapter 15, and it says, we who are stronger ought to bear those who are weaker. Now, that word ought kind of gives me the idea, well, you know, I ought to do this. Well, I ought, ought, ought. It gives me the idea of a choice. Well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But that's not the word here. The word here gives the concept of an obligation. We who are stronger believers have an obligation to support, to strengthen, to help the weaker brother. To bear up those who are without strength. To come alongside. You know, I never saw this so powerfully illustrated as one time I was in Salt Lake City and uh, uh, my brother-in-law and I decided we're going to visit the Mormon temple. So we did. And we were talking, we were waiting in line there, and we were engaging a, a fellow who had just come off of two years of missionary service for the Mormon church. And we were asking him questions and dialoguing to him about salvation, and you could tell that this younger kid just didn't, he was just struggling with what to say. And out of behind, four or five people behind him, came this other Mormon missionary alongside of him and said, well, let me help you out. And he took over all the conversation and tried to convert me to Mormonism. He, he, didn't, he didn't succeed. But the thing that struck me was this. How often when we see a struggling believer, do we come alongside and help him out? How often do we come alongside to and say to him, you know what? I'll do what it takes. 
You say, well, yeah, you know, I, I'm an older believer. I've got freedom in Christ. I can, I can kind of do what I want, you know. Um, I'm free in the Lord. Well, yes and no. Yes, you have that uh, power to choose to do what you want. But remember what F- Romans 14 says. Continually pursue things which make for peace. Philippians 2 says, make my joy complete by being of one mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That word selfishness is that don't do anything for ambition or or power or profit, but rather put your focus on other believers. That's the mindset we are to have. And I was just kind of going through the scriptures this week and thinking about the Apostle Paul. And I looked at how many times he used two words, labor and fatigue. Labor and fatigue. He agonized in the ministry for others. He labored to the point of exhaustion to help those other believers become stronger and their churches to grow in Christ. He didn't quit. He expended everything he had to strengthen those churches. Wow, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just so touched by that. I'm challenged by that. Lord, will I expend my energy? Will I give it everything I've got to help those other believers become stronger in the Lord? Well, yeah, I, I lead a Bible study. Well, yeah, I, I talk to a couple guys once in a while during the week. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a mindset that says I am literally absorbed in, for the well-being of that fellow believer. I am committed that whatever it takes, I will help him along in the faith. I deeply, deeply admire those of you who get up early to go to breakfast to help that younger believer. I deeply admire that person who answers the phone late at night for an emergency phone call from that younger believer who's struggling. On behalf of our Lord, I say thank you for your efforts. The Lord will reward you for that. You don't go here as you follow along in verses 3 to 13. You see how we are to model that mindset before others. And so Paul gives out four qualities as he instructs us how to make this practical. How do we bear that younger believer along in a practical manner? What do we need? Well, the first one is seen in submission to others. And he quotes from Psalm 69. Very interesting psalm. It's a messianic psalm. It's portraying some aspect of the Lord's life before the Lord comes in body. And Psalm 69, it talks about the conflict that is going on. And the conflict is with four different groups of people, five different groups. It says here in verse 3, it talks about the enemies. That word enemies, it says he's being slandered without a cause. He talks in verse 8 in Psalm 69 about his family. He's estranged from his family. And according to Mark 6, 3, Jesus had four brothers and two sisters. He's, he's, you go to verse 11 in Psalm 69, and he's the laughing stock. I don't know if you've ever had people laugh about you, but it's humiliating. He comes here and he talks about the city rulers. All they do is sit at the city gate and criticize everything and anything I do. 
I can't do anything right. You ever had that feeling? Certainly. In fact, it says here in Psalm 69 that it, David is so demoralized that the drunks are even making a song of merriment about his dilemma. Wow. And we're so supposed to submit in those kind of situations? When we're charged without a cause, we're abandoned by family and friends, we're made fun of, we're criticized continually, we're overtly mocked, and we're supposed to be submissive to others? Yes. Hard? Oh my, yes. How hard is it to submit someone that's made fun of you? How hard is it when somebody has made you the laughing stock or the butt of a joke and you're supposed to submit to them? It's difficult. Difficult. But when you come to verse 4 of our passage in Romans 15, he shows us where we get our source of strength for times like that. In times of desperate need, we have a solution. In verse 4, one of the qualities that amazes me and, and I admire so much in our Lord Jesus because of who he was, was his, um, what's the word, saneness, stability. Not up, not down. You weren't trying to figure out what was going on with his emotions. Just, I I think of when the the ship is sinking out in the ocean and, and the disciples are saying, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Our Lord has taken a nap. Unbelievable. Lord, wake up, we're dying. And Jesus turns around and says what? Peace be still. Don't you love that? But in the midst of crises, in the midst when we are being in these kind of situations, there is a source of stability according to verse 4 of Romans 15, and that is God's Word. We go to His Word because it is in His Word that we find perseverance to continue on and comfort in times of difficulty. We read, we meditate, we let that Scripture speak to our minds. We memorize it, we chew on it, we think about it at different times of the day. We internalize it, we make it ours. And the Lord gives us that nugget just at the right time. And we have that wonderful, wonderful, silent, quiet strength that the Lord gives. That spiritual resilience. That's a quality we need. All of us need that spiritual resilience to continue on. And we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm just being mocked. I'm being made fun of. I, Lord. And we quietly go to his word. And he speaks. And we listen. And we learn. There's something else that we see in this passage. Another quality that we are to have. And it's talking about unity in this passage. And that is sacrifice. We're not only to have submission, we're not only to have stability, but we're also to have an attitude of sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice our ideas, our thoughts, for the greater purpose of unity. Now listen very carefully. I am not talking about compromise. 
there is a difference between an opinion and a conviction. An opinion comes out of your own thinking. Any, anybody can have an opinion about anything. That's fine. But a conviction is your belief in something that is substantiated by a reliable source that is outside yourself. That's a conviction. We're to never compromise convictions. But we can always give up an opinion about something. When you say, well, I want it this way. I know the best way to do this. Uh, I, I, my way is the right way. Are we willing to sacrifice that? And then what happens if it goes wrong? Was there a smugness that goes, <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to work. Well, I, I, I told you that. That was, that was a stupid idea. You know, uh, you know, if you'd only listened to me, it would have worked out a whole lot better. What happens when the person crashes and burns? Do you pick up pieces? Do you uphold that brother? Do you say, you know what? Let's pray for the unity as we move forward. We have that cause of Christ that we are to represent. Like the song saying that they just sang. We are the hands and feet of Christ. How do we show that to others? Do we have willing, that attitude to willingly sacrifice what we think is best for what someone may have a better idea? That's hard. It's not easy sometimes. As we get older, we're supposed to get wiser. Well, we were used to be young and dumb. Now we're old and stupid. But anyway, you know, we're learning. But we need to sacrifice because that's what Paul says in this passage. Verse 7 in this passage gives the fourth quality. Sincerity. Accept. Accept one another in the faith. He says here, wherefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Well, yeah, I, I, I acknowledge that guy. Well, yeah, I, I, I tolerate him. Well, yeah, I kind of get along with that person. No, no, no. That's not what the word accept means. It means to embrace. Do you embrace your fellow believers? Is there a strength that you have in your character that says, I will embrace others? I went to Webster's Dictionary. Great word, except embrace. It means to include, to take in willingly. To avail oneself to love unconditionally. Wow. Do I accept other believers like that? Or do I kind of think, well, you know, I've got, I've got a select few that I'll embrace. All the other ones I'll kind of keep a little bit of, you know, arm's distance. I, you know, I don't like them particularly, but I'll just kind of hold them off. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says we are to embrace one another. Why? Because Jesus embraced us. Jesus availed himself when he left heaven's glory and he loved us unconditionally to die on Calvary's cross. Can we do anything less to our brothers and sisters because of what Jesus has done for us? We are to accept, embrace I, when I was living in Russia, uh, uh, Riza was one of my translators. 
and Walter was another translator. And I noticed that she always was kind of hesitant when she was around him. So I said to her one day, I said, Riza, why is it you don't get along with Walter? And she looked at me and she said, because Walter was a former KGB informant and he was the one that sent my dad to the gulag. That just took the air out of me. Accept, embrace one another. You know that our model is Christ. He's given us that instruction that we are to live submissively. We are to live with a sense of stability and sacrifice and sincerity. And when that happens, that produces unity. <laughs> I remember I was going to a Braves game and I got delayed and I turned on to Turner Boulevard and there was a, a, a church that we passed. And it said, the sign on the church said, the perfect church. And then I went down two blocks and said, the perfect church, number two. Don't you love it? <laughs> the perfect church, number two, something happened. Oh, mercy me. No unity there. No unity there. Oh, the Lord instructs us to be this type of a person. But the great thing about Paul, when he instructs, he also gives an illustration. And verses 8 through 12 is an illustration of our Lord himself. The Lord had the mindset of a servant. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Who will, who will ever be great among you? Let him be your servant. Serve others. If Colossians says, He delivered us from the domain of darkness and He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And He, He Himself is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And it is that one, our Lord Jesus Christ, that picks up a towel and washes the dirty feet of the disciples. It is that one who takes the time and is tender to a woman who has the issue of blood and heals her. It is that Lord Jesus that made a breakfast for weary fishermen. That's serving. That is serving. Wow. What a mindset. And I say to myself as I was reading this, studying this passage, Lord God, give me that type of a mindset. Why? Because having that mindset, the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he fulfills all the promises of God. He fulfills the program of God, as you see later on in this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. And by one sacrifice for all time, he sat down. His work is done. And he got up one time when Stephen was martyred. The Lord Jesus Christ's work is done. And he says... Come unto me, all, all Jew, Gentiles, come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and what? I will 
give you rest. Hmm. My. When we have that mindset and we fulfill what God has told us to do, and we accept one another and we love the brethren as he would have us do. Verse 13, what a joy when the brotherhood, all of them, had that same focus and mindset and mission. Donald Ray Barnhouse, in his epistle to the Romans, says it this way in this verse. This verse is a great summary of the blessed life in the brotherhood formed by our oneness in Jesus Christ. The source of that life is the God of hope. The measure of that life is that we will be filled with all joy and peace. The quality of that life is joy and peace, which he desires for us. The condition for that life is faith. We enter into it by believing what the Lord says. The purpose of that life is that we may abound. The enabling for that life is his divine power. And the director of that life is the Holy Spirit of God. That is unity in the body of Christ. That is what our Lord desires. Question is, do we have that mindset? Is that continually preoccupying our thinking? Are we modeling what the Lord wants us to be to other believers? To be submissive, to be stable, to to be sacrificing for others? To be embracing others with a sense of sincerity and loving them deeply? We must be doing that. You know why? The neighbors are watching. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the time that we have the privilege to open your word. We thank you, Lord, that we have your word. For many do not. May we never take that privilege lightly. May we be forever grateful that we have your word, that we can read it, that we can meditate on it, that we can think about it, that we can uh, chew on the promises and the principles of your word so that we would grow in grace and in the knowledge of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For, Lord, you have given us and shown us and demonstrated to perfection what that mindset is to be. Lord Jesus, you have also modeled that for us to follow. May we do that diligently. May we be your hands and feet to a watching world because we love them, Lord, and we realize that you love them so much that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And, oh God, I pray, I pray for this coming week, as children and adults walk through these doors, they will sense the power of your presence, and that children will come to know you as Savior, and as teachers diligently pour their lives into these children. Oh, God, I pray you would bless their efforts. And as people gather to pray, whether in their car, whether at their refrigerator, whether at their workplace, wherever they are, Lord, may they remember that you have said, come unto me, 
all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Lord Jesus, we pray these requests in your matchless name. And all the family of God said, Amen. You are dismissed.